Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast presented exclusively on the Chop Sports Channel of the Premier Streaming Network. We are recording this again on Thursday, April 27th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, we will talk Nottingham Forest, live another day. Spurs show sign of life versus Manchester United while Everton look dead versus Newcastle. But first, Manchester City are the greatest Premier League team of all time, and I can prove it. Okay, we have to do our regular chores. Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, subscribe, and we will get into Manchester City versus Arsenal. Okay. There's a cat meowing, and he ruins my recording, but I can take that out. We will get into Manchester City. Here we go. So how did I experience this? I experienced this game at home. I experienced this game standing in front of a television. I experienced this game with fear, loathing, doom, and feelings of worry, dread, and all the other things that come along with those types of games. However, my feelings after 12, 24 hours are, wow, City are fucking incredible. We've got this league in the bag, and now we're moving forward. Um very straightforward performance for Manchester City. Like, I was nervous. I thought Pep would yak it. But this was a masterclass in a different way. This was not Pep tinkering, not Pep doing anything wrong. But had we lost it, it probably would have been a problem. But um, this was Pep simplifying, playing everything simple. There was no John Stones in the midfield. There was no Kyle Walker playing uh, in the midfield. Um, Akanji came into the right back side instead of Laporte because he felt good about that matchup with him and Saka. Um, City played a very, very slow, narrow buildup designed to bring Arsenal's aggressive press. He used their youth against them. So he made everything in the park, in the middle of the park, condensed, allowing for De Bruyne and Holland to hover behind the arsenal press and in front of the mid back uh, in front of the back four so it was parte and holding and gabriel trying to figure out a way to mark them and it worked to a t city went long city were direct and when they were building up it was more to lure arsenal onto them so that they could then create those artificial breaks so that Arsenal would have to turn around and run. And that is how the game played out. The first goal came from a ball from John Stones in the corner after a slow buildup, a couple passes between he and whatever, and the press to get out of it. Long ball, 60 yards onto Holland. He battles holding, lays it off to De Bruyne. De Bruyne takes off, and he beats the whole Arsenal team. Thomas Partey had a complete stinker. He didn't want to go anywhere that De Bruyne went. De Bruyne just stayed on the back of him, kept moving around, and City had so much joy in the first half, specifically in the first half hour. It was a route, and the route was on and big and easy. Even within the first five minutes, Arsenal had a, I mean, City had a penalty shout where Partey 
just stepped across De Bruyne. And if they'd called it, it would have been fine. VAR doesn't do it. There's a lot of fouling a little bit early on, but not too bad. Um, then, so we have De Bruyne's goal. Then De Bruyne again has a good shot that's blocked. Uh, Erling Holland on 28, on 32, breaking through on his own. Both shots saved. Holland is a beast. He's running through the field. Then Arsenal have a little bit of a moment. Thomas Partey, edge of the box, left foot. He doesn't quite, right foot doesn't quite nail it, doesn't quite get it. It's an easy save. Then Holland again, two more times on 36 and 41. So in the first half, Holland with four different opportunities where he broke in on goal, just really high scoring opportunities, especially the one on 28 where you're like, holy shit, what is going on? City were flooding the middle, breaking through the Arsenal press, and they were just on the break as though they were turnovers. And this was all part of Guardiola's plan. He used the youth and exuberance and desire to get on the front foot and the nerves of Arsenal against themselves. It was almost like a jujitsu game where he was pulling our arm. We had everything under control, moving Arsenal where we wanted them to go. City in control of this game, never really had to break a sweat. Nothing coming down the wings. Akan, um, Saka and Martinelli were in control. Akanji and Walker had them. And even when they didn't, our City were able to double up. Both Grealish and Bernardo flew back to protect. There was never isolation in defense. Everything was super controlled because the game was not going down the wings. Everything was in the middle. The whole battle, the whole tactical game was the middle of the park. City identified the center defense of Arsenal and, and specifically holding and attacked him because he's a championship-level player with fake hair. Anyway, City do get another goal, and it, it was just rewards. John Stone's uh, uh, foul on the side of the box that uh, De Bruyne takes. Our, uh, Bernardo Silva runs over it, cross into the box. Great header from Stone's. It's initially called offsides. It looks very offside. I was okay with that. I hate VAR. In this case, VAR did give a goal to City. It was close, and I mean close. But we'll take what we can take. Very good, very excited, very happy. Uh, no problem. Uh, City do uh, go into the half up to, and this game was over. Um, Arsenal really only created a couple chances in this game, really never got anything going. They had a little period um, after this after the third goal for City, again, De Bruyne from Holland, a live pass, open box, bing, bang, boom. Uh, De Bruyne put it away. He was so good. He and Holland were just nines and tens, just fantastic, fantastic stuff. And the weak links for Arsenal were very, very weak. Uh, Rob Holding, God bless you, brother. You just didn't know how to stay in position. You wanted to mark people. You kept moving forward, opening up spaces. Anytime someone moved forward, a run was made in behind where you were, and the whole line collapsed. Not great stuff. Um, Ederson didn't really have to do much. Uh, just long balls. Just old, good old 4-4-2, a big and a small. Holland beasting. Easy. It was easy. It was easy. It was men against boys. Like, just not really anything. Um, there was a goal pulled back by Rob Holding on a nice finish. So he gets to have a little bit of a better show. And then Erling Holland late in the 95th minute does get a fourth. So it looks worse than it is. It actually, the score probably reflects the whole game. 4-1 City cruising. 
Arsenal now can max out on 94 points if they win every game. City can max out on nine. Uh, sorry, Arsenal can max out on 90 points. City can max out on 94. So City can drop a game, draw a game. The only thing they can't do is lose two or how many draws is that? I don't know. Four draws. <laughs> I don't think they'll have four draws. City haven't had four draws all year. Uh, and they, they definitely. So what Arsenal need is for City to lose twice. Lose twice. It could happen. It could happen. I don't think Arsenal are out of this. And I do want to give a little shout out to Arsenal. Um, they should not hold their heads. They should hold their heads high. This Arsenal team was not expected to be here. This Arsenal team is only disappointed because they got so far along. Had they dropped those Villa games earlier, had they lost those games and not drawn, had they lost that Bournemouth game earlier on, they wouldn't have been in such a position where they would have had to feel this pressure of these three draws in a row that did ultimately get to Arsenal. They were regressing to the mean. They're not this good. They're not a 90-point team. Um, they don't have the depth. We knew it from the beginning. Arsenal were running the same 11 out over and over and over and over again. And that, I think, eventually caught up to them because they didn't have the cover. And when, when players were asked to do things that they couldn't do or were unable to, were had to come into the game, the quality drop was so massive. We didn't see Jorginho for some reason. I thought maybe Arteta would play a different way, but he didn't seem to feel comfortable in changing the way Arsenal played because his team's not ready to change the way they play. They barely know how to play the way they're playing now. So that's why they played the same way the whole season. Um, he could only really change things up like for like, like Reese Nelson on for Bakara Saka or Nketiah on for Jesus, just to change it up. Really, he might have needed to sit deep and try and play counterattack, play deep style. This might have been a game to to try and do that and and utilize um, Martinelli and and um, and Saka in a different way. Could he go with wingbacks? Could he try anything? I I like to think that there's probably more talent in this team, but Arteta just in the biggest game of the season just didn't feel comfortable to try and do things. Whereas City are constantly evolving, constantly changing. We're a chameleon. We'll we'll play. The principles of pep ball, where we keep possession and use our skill, but how we play it and what we do and where the runs are and who's the free man, those are changing all the time. And teams just can't cope with it. It's both tactical and strategic understanding of what opponents are doing, how to exploit it, and then having the players to then execute those plans. City are just well-drilled, well-drilled, and, and, and fight as a team. I think there was a moment that Saka got on his own against the Kanji. And I swear to God, Jack Grealish sprinted at full speed, 50, mile, 50 yards across the pitch and came in and mopped up to hold, to help a Kanji after a Kanji did a good job of holding him up. Just things that you just don't see that Englishness, that fight, that spirit city have it in spades. They knew how much the game meant. And now I think are on track to perhaps be the greatest team the Premier League has ever seen. Um, I lost this episode. Uh, I recorded it and it left me. <laughs> I had a whole passionate rant about how City are the greatest Premier League team of all time, uh, especially if we win the three in a row. We know the comparisons are to United 2006 to 2009 and United 98 to 2001. 
Um, the 99 team is the trouble winning team. Um, but I did look at the, the point totals and the goal difference totals and city's three championships are far superior city's levels at this point are way better than anything that United ever did in terms of dominance as an individual team, just in the numbers we see goals for goals against goal difference, right? These are the simple strict numbers of wins, numbers of points. Listen, it's not perfect. No one likes stats at all context. Who's pushing you. But I feel like with the Liverpool team that was pushing um, city that the levels that city are at are beyond anything that United were ever at um, United were very pragmatic and, and attack minded, but they were very star driven Cristiano and, and skulls and Beckham and, you know, but they were never like this, the precision, the different ways to play. Um, Alex Ferguson drove the team through personality. It was not a tactical team. It was not a innovative team. Um, United had the best spirit in the league with the best players in the league, with the best coach in the league who required running fight and never say die. And that's what made their team. Um, but it was very, it was not tactical. Um, they won that first champions league in 99 by luck. I mean, the great team really is the 2008 team that did beat, um, that did beat Chelsea. I believe is that right? I don't even know. I'd have to look it up. Um, with with Cristiano and Rooney and Tevez, I mean, those were elevated teams. But if City win the three in a row, the second team ever to do it, they will join the two times that United did it and win the Champions League and win the treble. I don't think that they can be they they can they can only be regarded as the best team of all time because of the variety. Because they'll have done it three different ways. Once with a false nine with Aguero, once as a defensive team, and then once with this Holland thing. All different. The United teams were cycles where there was, this, there was the accumulation of talent, a peak of a talent, and then disappearing of talent. T City are going to win a treble and three leagues in a row while transitioning from the previous team that won two in a row. From Company, from Silva, from Fernandinho, from Aguero. City are going to have rebuilt on the fly. The one season they lost, they scored 103 goals and had this weird fluke season. Um, but I think City are the greatest team of all time. Uh, this is going to be a debate. I'm hoping that, you know, your Sky Sports and whatever, of course, it has to be the treble. It has to be the treble or else you can't. Or the Champions League. If you don't win the Champions League, you can't be considered one of the great Premier League sides. It just is how it is. But I do think City are on track. They are on their way. And I think that that's really legacy on the line here. I mean, it's really coming. It's really going to be um, what City are if they can get to the level that they need to. So very, very exciting. And um, let's go through uh, the scores and then we'll pick out some games. So. This match week started on Tuesday. This is match week 33, and we'll start on the Tuesday games. Wolves 2, Crystal Palace nil. Uncle Roy now takes two poor results in a row, but Ruben, uh, own goal by Joachim Anderson and Ruben Neves' penalty late gives Wolves all three points. They are all but safe. However, 
Uh, Eze was great in this game. He hit the bar. He was in charge. I really love to see a great team get a hold of Eze. Feels like if Spurs are going to reload, they should look to Crystal Palace to find those players so that Kane doesn't have to do all the work. Let's get Eze some creative players. Let's get some fun, some creativity, some blackness, English blackness. I love it. I want, I love Palace, especially when they play with swagger. It's nothing better than that that street swag, that that energy that that brings. You know, let's get that into Spurs and show show teams what Harry Kane can be. Okay, uh, also on Tuesday, Aston Villa, the great and powerful Unai Emery on a headed goal from Mings, a reverse header. It was pretty pretty cool. They beat Fulham. Fulham having a very very hard time scoring. This was a completely dominant performance. Fulham had one shot zero on target about as dominant as you can this is an xg of go fuck yourself uh aston villa win one nil unai emery knows how to shut people down no mitrovic no party nothing on the games fulham are you know one two three cancun one two three marbina this team's out of the party and aston villa after they won this game, we're actually in the Europa League places, but they do fall down to six after we get the Spurs result. The final game of Tuesday was Leeds 1, Leicester 1. Fantastic little game here. A lot of energy at Ellen Road. A lot of fun. A lot of thing. Jamie Vardy came off the schneid, off the bench, does Vardy things. Runs onto space. Uh, a really cool pass from Ihanacho, who won the ball up high. He's groin goes he's hopping on one leg he lays it off to vardy crumbles to the uh, to to madison crumbles to the ground madison slides in vardy and boom they bring the game level really fun really game of course Leeds can't defend of course lester can't defend one thing i did notice with lester our friend uh jakan shoyenchu is back in the side he's of course now signed for atletico he was always good. I don't know what the fuck Brendan Rodgers was doing. So Yenchu and Fais is good, really good. That's a real defense. I have a feeling Leicester will be in it or they are a bar. We're going to go through the relegation zone. It's so sad. Two teams are going to go and they're wonderful. Oh. And then we go to yesterday. The great and powerful Nottingham Forest. Tricky trees. They miss a penalty by... Brandon Johnson. Then Buonanotte. Good night, Irene. Facundo Buonanotte scores a goal and you are dying. You're thinking, oh my God, Nottingham Forest, what have you done to me? Why are we going to blow this game? Uh, but then an own goal by Pascal Grouse uh, of Brighton does get Nottingham Forest level right at the break. And they go into halftime feeling a little bit better. Danilo scores one on 69. And then Morgan gives White with the freaking cop on their side. Pours one in uh, on a penalty. And Nottingham Forest wins 3-1. They only have 24% possession. Their pass accuracy is only 66%. It's nasty. Um, Brighton have the ball the whole time. But Cooper has a plan. You've got to respect Cooper. This team may not be great. Steve Cooper might not be a great coach. At least there's an idea. There's a plan. This coming to you, Mr. Fucking Frank Lampard. He knows what he's doing. He has the team set up to do a thing. They want to sit deep. They want to do it for a certain amount of time. And then when the time comes, open up and go. Open up and go. 
So that at least there's something, there's some semblance of the team being together. There's details. They know where they're supposed to be. They know what they're supposed to do. When Forrest lose games, it's because they make mistakes because they're not good enough. But it's not because they're coached poorly. And it's not because they don't have a go. They always have a go. They have a plan. You can see things change. You can see Cooper pushing things along. And I'm really happy for Nottingham Forest to get that little bit more that little closer, can they get to nine wins? That nine wins is magic. Now, we do go on to Chelsea. Holy shit. Frank Lampard is the worst coach in the Premier League. He's winless in five, and Chelsea have only scored one goal in those five games, and that was deflected. That was in the Brighton game where they got demolished, and I mean demolished, but they did get a goal in that game. That's the only game they have a goal in. I don't know what Frank Lampard's doing. I don't know how Chelsea have gotten to where they are. I don't know how they don't score. Let me just tell you, though, Chelsea Football Club of Champions League quality 18 months ago, who signed Lukaku, who signed Aubameyang, who signed Kai Havertz, who have Mason Mount, now injured, who have quality throughout the side, people who've scored goals in big games, World Cup winner and Enzo Fernandez, they have scored 30 goals this season 30 that's less than a goal per game that is the same as top scoring nottingham forest they are third fourth from bottom in goals scored this season third from bottom this team cannot score to save its fucking life it's sad that they can't figure this out either it's confidence it's something. They are on 30, only be ahead of Wolves, Nottingham Forest, Southampton, and Everton. All those teams, except for Wolves, are in the relegation zone. Chelsea are scoring goals like a relegation team. The only thing keeping them in the league is, and this is a secret thing, they actually have the third best defense in the league. Potter had always had them playing this way. I don't know what Frank Lampard does. I don't know what he's good at. I don't know why he has a job. He should never have a job. He's not good enough for this team. And I firmly believe that if Potter was on this squad still, as much as the Chelsea faithful were crying and yelling, whatever, now they're going to just start hating Frank Lampard. Potter would not have had this happen. He would have found a way to get things better. Or they just would have had nil-nils. But now they can't score. Now they're giving up goals. Now they're losing. Under Potter, there was a lot of draws. So let's just keep that in mind. And he did beat Borussia Dortmund. I don't understand Chelsea fans. Now, we do know now that the rumors are hot, hot, hot for our friend, Mr. Um, Mauricio Pochettino. It seems that it's very close. And it seems that when Potter came in, Pochettino was 50-50 and he rejected it for some other reason. Who knows what Boley's doing? Boley is the worst you can get when you have a new owner the worst kind of new owner. Uh, I think historically new owners do stupid things. They tend to get uh, a little handsy. If you think about uh, basketball in the US, uh, Mark Cuban, when he owned the Mavericks, he would get on the court, he would yell, he would go nuts. He'd try and make trades. He'd do crazy stuff, get fined, you know, call out referees, you know, all these crazy things. So he was kind of a, on the higher end of new owner. Other new owners who've done stupid shit, the Kings who are now in the playoffs, Rivik, Ranadive, he fucking ran that team into the ground. 
for a while and they've gotten themselves together in the football side when Fulham were bought by um uh as Shamir Khan it didn't really quite work well they bought too many players when they came up and had the same problem so maybe maybe the history of new owners with Bowley uh they'll get themselves together but right now the institution of Chelsea is empty it has been hollowed out uh the thing that I think about it's like they took a beautiful I don't know. I, I keep thinking about a piece of bread that you ho- you scoop all the bread out. It's now an empty husk of crust. There's nothing inside. There's no meat. There's nothing. So they've put this figurehead effectively of like the emperor has no clothes, Frank Lampard. Oh, we know him. We're The, the fans aren't stupid. They know what you're doing. You're putting up a puppet. But now you're seeing that this puppet has no substance. And Chelsea are just losing and losing and losing. They're now five losses in a row for the first time in decades. And they have a real opportunity, thanks Dimas for reminding me, to be the worst team in London. They're currently ahead of Palace and West Ham. There are seven teams in the greater London area in the league. Arsenal, Arsenal, Tottenham, Brentford, Fulham, Chelsea, West Ham, and Crystal Palace. Chelsea are two points ahead of Crystal Palace for 12th, and West Ham are coming up on the rails on 34. But the way Chelsea have been playing, I don't know when they're going to win. They might not give up a goal, but they're not winning any games because they can't score at all. Zero scoring. None. Nunca. Niente. None. No scoring. And Frank's a dope. Sorry, Frank Lampard, but you stink. You are, I think, sixth. You've only gain points two of your last 19 a draw and a win so 17 losses out of 19 pretty pretty bad there mr frank so chelsea opportunity to be one of the worst seasons that they've ever had pochettino on the way in pochettino on the way in we go to our other friends in london uh west ham hosting the great and powerful liverpool liverpool getting themselves together getting themselves together they go behind early on a wonder strike by Luis Paqueta. Uh, Cody Gakpo brings them level on an outside-the-box shot that was set up by Trent Alexander-Arnold. A really fantastic little pass. Trent now uh, seems Klopp figured out what Pep figured out six months ago. They're trying to do different things, finally. (laughs) Uh, I always wondered that with Klopp. Like, you're not a tactical genius. He's more like... He's more like Alex Ferguson. He's, you know, Teutonic Care Bear, hugs, high fives, big teeth. But, you know, it's just run and go kick ass versus, hey, we have a system. We have a thing we're going to do. They're not tactically or you know crazy. Liverpool just do Liverpool things. They do what they do the best. It's sort of like the old um, Vince Lombardi thing where he would go over the power sweep drawn on a board for hours and hours. And I was like, that's what we do. You want to know what's coming? Stop it. So that's Liverpool's thing, right? We press, we go high, we, we have amazing front end talent and we we have the greatest deep lying passer in the league he also can't defend but he's on our team so it looks like they're moving trent centrally to sort of change that responsibility of having to be affect the game so high and right he can now affect the game centrally without exposing the wing so that when he drops back and there's a break he's not on his own konate's out there matip is out there and he can then fill in behind them so he's less exposed as a defender speaking of matip he gets the go-ahead goal on an amazing header fantastic stuff but you know right now you know liverpool have won three in a row unbeaten in five 
getting themselves back together up to seventh. Now um, they have an outside shot. They definitely have a shot at Europe. I think fifth is attainable going to be really, really difficult to get to that top four spot. Uh, basically it's out of reach United on 60 uh, Liverpool on 53 Liverpool would have to basically win out um, and have United essentially collapse uh, at this point. It's going to be really, really hard. It could happen. I think United are a little bit jaded right now and we'll get to their, their game as we go through the rest of the week's results. Um, but I thought it was really good. We talked about city already. Uh, oh, the mighty powerful Gary O'Neill and his plucky cherries of Bournemouth. They win again, Tavernier on a, on a, a daisy cutter, seeing eye single, a seeing eye shot as he skips across the box, finds the corner. Alex McCarthy, no fucking Bazuno, thank God. Uh, Alex McCarthy in goal for Southampton didn't make a difference. Bournemouth win the game 1 0. A dominant performance, really. Just, you know, didn't really feel like they needed to possess the ball. They have a plan. I really like Gary O'Neill. He's done a great job keeping this Bournemouth team on side. They've got a plan. They have a set group. They know what they're doing. These are themes. You hear them over and over again. Hey, this guy knows what he's doing. You can see why uh, managers like Steve Bruce and Neil Warnock just stay in the league for a long time because there's very few managers who can actually affect the team by doing the work, getting them together. So um, good stuff from Bournemouth who will likely stay in the premier league and get their hundred and you know, $180 million by being in the league. And they know that they hold off the parachute payments. They stay in the league. Yes. They have a couple of drubbings on their end, but they are have a way and they found a way to get 36 points. They're safe, man. They are safe. They're going to be premier league team next season. Bournemouth. I had them going down for fucking sure, but I should have, sort of remembered how good they were in the championship against Fulham, really pushed Fulham to the end with uh, Scott Parker, but um, they were leading it most of the time. And then Fulham just steamrolled past them, but it's good coach, good coach, Gary O'Neill, Scott Parker, not so much fired uh, as we know in Belgium, <laughs> you know, when you die in Belgium, you really die in Belgium. So um, what other games that we've got? Let's keep going through the match week. Um, Everton for Everton one, Newcastle four. You know, Everton really fought and huffed and puffed, especially in the first half. They got sucker punched by an amazing goal on the break from Callum Wilson. What are they going to do? They go into the half down one nil. Then late in the game, they just faded. Joe Linton on 72, Callum Wilson again, another wonder goal on 75. The setup by Isaac on that one is just pure fucking class he tiptoes through their whole defense uh michael Keane is still spinning around trying to figure out where he was no that's the murphy goal that's the one on 81 uh just amazing stuff dwight mcneil picks one up late on 80 but again everton you can't ship those goals late like that you got to hold on because goal difference is going to matter for everton they can't find a win they can't get any goals in this team they can't score it's really hard to stay out of the relegation zone when you can't score very hard to, I mean, I know it sounds stupid. Can't win games. If you can't score Everton worst scoring team in the league, 25 goals out of 33 played. Not great. Not great. It's very hard. So much pressure. You, you give up a goal and you feel like 
you feel like it's completely insurmountable. Um, but Newcastle really locked in that top three spot. They are definitely going to have Champions League football next season. Who'd have thunk it? I mean, just the idea that Chelsea and Liverpool yacked this season away, nothing doing for them. Just amazing. And then the last game of the day, the last game of the weekend, Tottenham 2, United 2. This game was all United in the first half, all United in the first half, and all Spurs in the second. This is that early first half of the season, Spurs, where they would go down a couple goals, Conte would fire a rocket up their ass, and they'd come out in the second half and go kick some ass. They did it again. They're back at it. So this is the season for Spurs. This is how they are. They can't sustain or start games in an attacking manner. They've got to get punched in the mouth and taste blood before they turn it on. Uh, Sancho on seven, a really nice goal early. Good for him. Cuts inside, fires it in. Good shot there. Then Rashford again on the break just before. It looked like Spurs were coming back into the game. Rashford on the break. He picks up a nice goal, you know, having his best season of his career. Then later on in the second half, you know, Spurs found it. They found their Spursiness. Of course, led through Harry Kane. He does everything. He's playing the eight. He's playing the nine. He's playing the 10. He's running through guys. He's setting things up. He's trying to get out on the end of things. Uh, Poro's goal was fantastic. Looked like there was a little bit of a scrum in the box before he outside of the boots it top bins. Woo! Fantastic stuff. Uh, I loved it. It was a great goal as much as I think Poro is prior to the problem. And then, of course, uh, Sonny gets the goal late. On 79, he scuffs one in from Kane, of course. Kane always involved in everything. If Kane goes, Spurs are a mid-table team, and they're a mid-table team now, almost. Uh, this team's defense is the problem. They are bottom five team in defense. Just too many goals. And for them, I you'd say, oh, they've got to sit deeper. they got to sit deeper. I think it's the opposite with Spurs. Spurs... They have the fifth worst defense. They have, so they're in and around. So the worst defense is Bournemouth, Leeds, and all the relegation teams from 14 to 20 are the bottom six and Spurs. That's how bad Spurs are in defense. They have a relegation defense, but they have been scoring goals for fun because they have Harry Kane still. They still are a top scoring team on 60 goals. They're the third high, fourth highest scoring team in the league. They just leak goals. Now, Conte seems to think you sit deep if that's your problem. I think the opposite. If you can't defend, don't try to be a defensive team. You need to hold on to the ball. <laughs> There's different ways to approach this. They they even they, they they can put as many defenders as they want in defense, right? They can have Skip and Hoiberg. As long as Eric Dyer is in the middle of that defense with Davison Sanchez and Hugh Lloris is having a stinker and their wingbacks don't defend. They don't know what's going on. Stop trying to defend. Play higher up the pitch. Stay away from your goal. Don't invite pressure on. This is the problem for Spurs. They can't defend and they keep playing as a defensive team. Bonucci and Chiellini ain't walking through that fucking door. You got to push that shit away. The, the strength of Eric Dyer is that he can pass. Why is he defending all the time? They got to push everything out. Anyway, that's my opinion. Um, Spurs need to learn how to defend or change the way they play so they can defend from the front. Stop people shooting at your goal. They're the worst team in shots uh, allowed in the league. Just awful, awful stuff. Okay, 
I did this version of the show different than the last one. I just went through the scores and ran through it. Um, but there are some other outside of our rundown things that have happened. One, Sheffield United of the championship are returning to the Premier League. When last we saw them, they were being relegated after having a top 10 finish the season before. Famously, they're overlapping fullbacks. They had this innovative sort of quirky way of playing, but then they got injured second season. They made the Ram Brewster purchase. He ended up being a dud. Uh, and then the whole thing fell apart. They fired their manager. They had issues with the board. They spent one season in a championship. Things went where, went weird. Now their second season, they're coming up under Paul Heckingbottom. I don't know how they play. It's still the same group. A lot of the same guys. So Oliver, Oliver McBurney, um, Egan, uh, the rest of the gang uh, will come back up with Sheffield. So congrats to them, along with Burnley. Burnley will return. So we don't get anyone new. Uh, we do get Burnley and um, Sheffield United. And I'll give you a quick visit to the championship just so we know who could come up. Uh, the odds-on favorites are Middlesbrough under Michael Carrick. They're the top-scoring team in the league. They have the, the league's leading goal scorer with Chupa Akbom, I think of Arsenal fame, uh, went on loan many times. I'm just going to make sure as I look at, yes, Arsenal. Yeah, he, he he had 13, 14. He was with Arsenal. His last time he was with Arsenal was 16, 17, only 20 years old, probably played like a League Cup game or something like that. Did have one, had three appearances for Arsenal in 14, 15 as an 18-year-old. So this is a holdover from the Wenger era. Uh, but he's had a big journey since then, playing in Greece, in Belgium, uh, then made it to Middlesbrough and has been transformed by um, Michael Carrick. So the playoff spots look like this. Luton are in third, Middlesbrough in fourth, Coventry and Sunderland. Sunderland till I die. They're in the playoff spots, unbeaten in their last five uh, Millwall sitting right on the outside. But it is a war and a scrum um, Luton on 78, Middlesbrough on 74, but then 66 down to from from fifth to 12th is separated by four points, four points. So it is a scrum to get into the playoffs. I think there's only, is there two games left? I have to check. I'm going to check right now. In the championship. Yep. Just two match weeks left for a chance at promotion. So only six points to play for. But like I said, super close. I am pulling for Luton Town to make it uh, just because they have an amazing stadium where you have to go through people's yards to get into the way end. That will be a story. We've seen Middlesbrough. They're kind of a one of the yo-yo clubs, one of the bigger clubs. And then, of course, we'd all love to see Sunderland make it back in but I don't think they are good enough. Uh, we'd love Luton is the one for me. And then, of course, Burrow, who were pushing Sheffield up until about a month ago, they sort of ran out of steam and were not able to make their push. So two games left in the championship. The playoffs for the championship are fantastic. You should watch those games. They are full of tears, full of joy, full of crying, full of crap. Now, that's the championship. We have the next few days. We have games over the next 10 days. We have games every week in the Premier League. 
So let's just get a little sense of what games are coming up. Saturday, Palace versus West Ham, Brighton versus Wolves, Brentford versus Nottingham Forest. The names I've read first at Cel- uh, um, so at uh, Palace are at home, Brighton are at home, Brentford are at home. Then United at home versus Aston Villa, Bournemouth host Leeds, Newcastle host Southampton, and Fulham host Manchester City with Liverpool and Tottenham at Anfield being the big game on Sunday. Then on Monday night, we have Leicester versus Everton, the massive game I talked about earlier, and Tuesday. Arsenal versus Chelsea. That looks like a makeup game, but I think that just is this match week. Trying to squeeze things in after the World Cup. Then Wednesday again. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. That's six days in a row. Then Friday, no game. Then we're back into Saturday. So we just have game after game after game through till uh, the end of the week. So we'll just have lots and lots of games. We'll talk about all those on monday okay i'm done with version two of this show if this one gets lost i'm gonna kill myself that was the squeaky bum time podcast with laurent cortines we are the football wing of the chop sports channel and presented exclusively by the premier streaming network we record on mondays and thursdays so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode and if you're listening on apple or whatever device you're listening to please rate review the show because it means everything to everyone all the time and that is that <laughs>